go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we now turn to your word, Lord, we humble our hearts before you. And Lord, we recognize today that these old bodies of flesh, Lord, they they are prone to wonder. But Lord, I pray that you would teach us today. Teach us of the dangers of adding in distortions to your word and to your gospel so that we may stand firm in the faith in which you have called us to. And Lord, if there be one today who is here who does not know you, does not know Christ Jesus our Lord, we pray that your spirit would open up his or her heart to see you and trust in you. And this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Looking at verses uh, 2 through 6 today as we continue our study in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. I want you to imagine that you are driving down a windy Rocky Mountain road up in the Rockies. And as you're driving down this winding road, all of a sudden you come to a sign. It says, Stop! Bridge out ahead. At that moment, you have a decision to make. And you can do one of two things. You can stop. You can heed the sign's warning and stop trusting that it is true. Trusting what it's telling you is correct. Or you can ignore the sign and then continue going forward right off the edge of a cliff. Two decisions. Which one will you make? As Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians, these churches in Galatia, he comes now to a point where he is giving a a warning. He's been giving them a warning, but now he comes to express it once again. In our text today, he says, Stop! Danger ahead. The path on which you're traveling is deadly. You see, distortions to the gospel is destructive. Distortions to the gospel are destructive and disastrous. And so Paul is warning the Galatians, and he is warning us today because we, are, we, are, uh, we have a tendency to go down those wrong trails ourselves. And so he warns us today, stop! If you're listening to distortion, stop! Danger ahead! Distortions to the gospel are disastrous to your faith. And so today I want you to to see this. We're going to see four results of adopting a distorted gospel. Four results of adopting a distorted gospel. And I want you to hear this warning. And if ever you start to be drawn down a path, uh, a, a distorted path, 
I want you to heed the warning. Hear what Paul is telling you and turn. Turn away from that distortion. Perhaps you're here today and even now you, you're being turned away. Just, just, just a hair, right? Just a little bit. Stop. And heed the warning. Listen to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as we've been going through the book of Galatians, this letter to the, the churches of Galatia, Paul has first laid down the foundation of his authority. Since his authority had been attacked, he laid down the, the foundation of his authority. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He received his uh, gospel from no one else but Jesus Christ. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He heard the gospel from Jesus. He received the gospel from Jesus. And the gospel he is preaching, it's Jesus' gospel. And so he laid down the foundation of his authority. He then continued on to show us the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And that's the, that's the thing that these false teachers have attacked. They've said it's not salvation, justification by faith alone, but it's salvation by faith plus works. It's all right if you have faith in Jesus Christ, but you need to tag something on to that. And so Paul is correcting this false doctrine of, of salvation by faith plus works with the true gospel and the true doctrine of justification by faith alone. We are made right before God by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's it, nothing else added. And so now he is getting into the application of this doctrine, what this demands of our lives, what the doctrine of justification by faith alone demands of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. And so... As we saw last week, he's entering into this, and he stated, For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so now he begins to get into this. We, want to, we have to stand firm. There are those, those people out there that want to draw us away from the true gospel. Even our own flesh at times wants to draw us away from the true gospel. So we must stand firm. This is something that we have to decide to do every day, to stand firm and not be drawn away and submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now he begins to lay this out in greater detail, what the Christian life of freedom looks like. But before he gets into the, the specifics here, he, he wants to warn us once again and warn us of the dangers of distorted Gospels. Warn us of the dangers of distorted Gospels. And that's what we're going to look at today. And then next week we're going to see the danger of the false teachers as he lays out the, the character of false teachers. But this week we look at, then at the dangers of a distorted Gospel. So if you found your place there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 2 through 6, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. 
I testify again to everyone who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for, wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love amen may the lord add blessings to the reading of his holy inspired and inerrant word and may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts and you may be seated now let's Think about this context here a little bit, just beginning to look into this, this message that Paul has for us. He begins with that word there, and, it, and it's an imperative, look, or maybe your translation says, behold. Paul's saying, stop, right? He's saying, look here, pay attention, this is absolutely important. He wants to bring great exclamation to what he is about to say. Look, pay attention, guys. You've been pulled away. You've been looking at something else. Listen to what I have to say. Look at the danger that you are stepping into. So he wants us to look. He wants us to be aware of what is going on. And here he talks about circumcision. Now, what's, this, what's the point about circumcision? Now, the matter is not circumcision or not circumcision. I mean, circumcision is a surgery. In fact, most children today, most boy children are, are circumcised right off the bat, right? The first few days of birth, they are automatically circumcised. It's a health issue. So Paul's not saying that you're going to die and go to hell because you're circumcised. That's not the point. You see, the point is what circumcision, rec uh, what it represented in Paul's day. You see, circumcision was not just a, a small surgical procedure that was a, a health issue. It, it marked a person as being a Jew. You see, these Judaizers, these false teachers who were coming in with this false gospel, uh, they were looking to make Jews out of these Gentile Christians. And that's the whole point of it. They're drawing them into Juda Judaism, basically. You see, a Jew back in that day, they believed that you, you could not be a child of promise unless you were a Jew, unless you were a part of the children and the nation of Israel. Well, circumcision was that, that stepping stone, that entry point into Judaism. You could not be a Jew if you were not circumcised. Now, Gentiles, they could become Jew in a sense. They couldn't change their ethnicity, but they could join the Jewish nation in a sense by becoming circumcised, the men becoming circumcised. And so for the Judaizers, this is the entry point. They want the people, these, these Gentile Christians in, in Galatia, they want them to take on a circumcision, to step into the law, to be obedient to the law of Moses, along with all of its ceremonial laws. Oh, they don't want to do away with Jesus. I mean, these Judaizers seem to be Christians in some sense. They, they want to preach Christ. But they have all of these religious leaders back home 
who who's think that everybody's got to be circumcised. Everybody has to come under the law of Moses to truly be a Christian. In other words, you can't have just Jesus. You've got to have Jesus plus the law. And so these false teachers, they want to make those people back home happy. And so they want to turn these Gentiles into Jews by bringing them underneath the law. And so the issue here is not circumcision or non-circumcision, but the issue here is what are you trusting in? What is your faith in? You see, Paul, he doesn't see this as just the, the entry point into Judaism. It's not just a mere surgical procedure. For Paul, this represented a religion that centered on human achievement. A religion that centered on human achievement rather than trusting in, relying in God's grace. And isn't that what all false religions are? All false religions, all other religions other than Christianity rely on self, on what I can do. Islam. Islam wants to keep a standard, keep a law to please uh, Allah. And if you do enough, if you achieve, achieve enough in your life to please Allah, then you get to go to heaven. Judaism. Not Messianic Judaism, but uh, Judaism even. If you keep the law of Moses, if you're good enough, then God will let you into heaven. If you become a Jew and, and you're good enough, then God will let you into heaven. You see, it's all about achievement. Buddhism is the same way. If you meditate enough, if you do enough good little things, then you can achieve this, this uh, the thing of nirvana, Right? which is what you look for, what you want. And so every other religion it is based upon human achievement, what you can do, not on what God has already done. And so Paul warns them, this is the danger of man-centered religion. And we need to see this danger. So as we begin then to look at these four uh, these four results of adopting a distorted gospel, the first distortion or the first warning here, the first result is if you adopt a distorted gospel, you cancel Christ. If you adopt a distorted gospel, friend, you cancel Christ. Look again what he says there. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision... If you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. If you accept circumcision, that is, if you trust on this man-centered uh, gospel, this gospel that says you've got to do something, uh, what Christ did on the cross, it's not enough. You've got to add to it. You've got to accomplish something. You've got to achieve something in order for you to be saved. If you buy into that, what are you saying? You're saying that what Christ did was insufficient. You're saying that when Jesus Christ stepped down out of glory and came and lived a perfect life here on this earth, and though he was without sin and he did nothing that deserved death, though he went to the cross willingly, and lay down his life for your sin? 
and died for your sin and then was raised again for your justification? You're saying that wasn't enough. The blood of Jesus was not enough. It didn't pay the full amount. Now I've got to add something to that. That's what legalism says. That's what all of these other Gospels that, that say that you've got to have Jesus plus you've got to do good things. That's what all, it all says. Christ is not enough. Dear friend, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. That's all we need. In fact, any work that you do, it is filthy rags, spoiled rags, ugly, disgusting rags before God. Every good deed that we do is stained with sin. Only Christ's good works were perfect and worthy of God's approval. What Christ accomplished was sufficient and is sufficient to save you, dear friend. But not only that, but look, it cancels all the benefits of Christ. To trust in a false gospel, a distorted gospel, to trust in your own ability to save yourself, it cancels all the benefits of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we have the full promises of God given to us. He hands them to us. Christ has fulfilled all the work of the law, and because of His fulfillment, because of His accomplished work, God has given Jesus Christ all the blessings that, blessings that He had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that we, we saw back earlier in this book. All the promises of God that He promises His children, they are handed down to Jesus. And the only way we have access to the blessings of God are in Jesus Christ. If you step away from Jesus, if you start relying on your own good deeds to, to accomplish anything, then you're stepping away from the blessings of Jesus. You're canceling Christ. And He is of no benefit to you whatsoever. So if you adopt a distorted gospel, friend, you cancel Christ. Think about that. Not too long ago, we had to change health insurance policies. And so we were looking at the health insurance policies. That we laid them all out there. We had several different options to go, go through, right? And so we laid them out there. Now, we had this one, but we decided to go with this other one. Well, guess what happened when we decided to go with this other one? Well, all the benefits of this first one were canceled. Dear friends, if you trust and something besides Jesus Christ, all the benefits of Jesus Christ are automatically canceled. They're not there for you. Christ is of no advantage to you. Trusting in a distorted gospel, adopting a distorted gospel, cancels Christ and all the benefits of Jesus Christ. Now, when you trust in these Self, these other Gospels, these Gospels that center around man's achievement, yes, you might stroke your own ego. You might start feeling good about yourself. Oh, yeah, look what I did. But you cancel Christ. That's why Paul says, I count everything as loss. 
He was a Jew of Jews. If anyone could get to heaven by keeping the law, it was Paul. And Paul says, I count everything as loss for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, and having a righteousness not of my own, but a righteousness found in Him through faith. Dear friend, if you're trusting in any other gospel, the gospel of faith alone and Christ alone. You cancel Christ. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. So that is your first warning. If you uh, adopt a distorted gospel, you cancel Christ. Second, if you adopt a distorted gospel, you must bear the full burden of the law. If you adopt a distorted gospel, you must bear the full burden of the law. It all comes down on you. When you start giving in to to this this gospel centered on human achievement, on your own achievement, then guess what? You open yourself up to the whole law. I want you to see here in the text, look at verse 3. I testify again to everyone who accepts circumcision that he who... He is obligated to keep the whole law. He is obligated to keep the whole law. All the law comes down upon you. You see, we want to give in to this desire of of human achievement. We we want to do something, right? We want to do something. That's, That's the American way, right? It is the American way. We are are in control of our destiny. We must do something. We must accomplish something for ourselves. That's the human way. That's what we want to do. We don't want to trust God. We want to do it ourselves. But Paul says when we try to do it ourselves, when we rely on selves, then we're guilty for the whole law. You see, human-defined obligations are insufficient. Human-defined obligations are insufficient. You see, we, here's the thing with legalism, most especially legalism, trying to do things our own way, trying to trust in our own ability to achieve things before God. Here's the thing about that. We pick out the things that we can do, don't we? We pick out the things that we can do, the things that we can accomplish, and we hold those standards up as the standard to live by. And if we can do that, if we can have that outward appearance of obedience by doing the things that we know that we, we can accomplish, then we feel pretty good about ourselves. And, oh, well, see, God, here, here's all that I did for you. See, the people in Jesus' day had that same thing going for them. They thought that they could just do their own thing, and they kind of started defining the law by their their own standard instead of by God's standard. They, They put into place the traditions of men rather than focusing on the law of God. Jesus tells us this in in Mark chapter 7. We see this working its way out here. Jesus is confronting some, some religious people of his day. And in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, he says, And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of, your, of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines 
The commandments of men, you see, they make up their own standard. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your traditions. And he gives this example. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is to say, it is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus making void the word of God by your traditions that you may hand... uh, that you, have, that you have handed down. And many such things you do. You see, the religious teachers of Jesus' day, uh, they didn't pay attention to God's law. They couldn't keep God's law. Because God's law demands not only uh, outward works, but it, it, it commands and demands a pure heart. And so they made their own standard. They come up with all of these traditions. Oh, here's some things that we can do. We can, we can give our stuff, we can give all of our finances, count it as korban, as unto God, and then we don't have to take care of mom and dad when they get too old to take care of themselves. We can keep it all to ourselves, and we feel good about ourselves because now it's given to God, right? They made a standard for themselves, and that's exactly what we do. Oh, I can dress a certain way. So, hey, if I come to church, I, I can make it to church every Sunday. I, I can do that, and, and I can dress a certain way when I come to church, so I can do that. And so we start making our own list of, oh, here's the things that I've got to do to please God. But our standard is insufficient. The only standard we can measure ourselves by is God's standard and His own holiness. And only when we can stand before God, not only with these outward deeds, but with a pure heart, are we counted worthy before Him. And our heart is corrupt outside of Jesus Christ. You see, dear friend, if we want to start working on and relying on human efforts and human abilities, then we open ourselves up. Our standard don't cut it. Oh, it's nice. you got your own little standard of life to live by, but what you have to live by is you have to live by God's standard. You have to live by the law. And if you want to start living by your own achievement, then guess what? You have to bear the full burden of the law upon your shoulders. And Greek mythology, I usually don't like talking about Greek mythology in sermons, but this one just kind of, it kind of gets the point. So let me use this. Greek mythology, there was uh, Atlas. You remember Atlas? Atlas was the, the titan, the great titan leader who, who led a rebellion against Zeus and the other gods in, in Greek mythology. And because of his rebellion against Zeus, Zeus condemned Atlas to stand on the corner of the earth and bear the whole weight of the universe upon his shoulders. You know, I think God allows a little bit of truth to bleed through this 
this Greek mythology. Because of our rebellion against God, we are condemned to bear the full weight of our sin and our rebellion against Him. And just like Atlas's burden, it was too mu- it's too much for us to bear on our own. It crushes us. It destroys us. You who would be saved by the law, you have to bear the full burden of the law upon your shoulders. And it's too much for you to bear. It will crush you. It will destroy you. It will send you to hell. But God offers freedom through Jesus Christ and through Christ alone. If you adopt a distorted gospel, a man-centered gospel, you cancel Christ. And you must bear the full burden of the law upon your shoulder. Dear friend, what are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in Jesus or are you trusting on your own abilities? Third, if you adopt a distorted gospel, you reject grace. If you adopt a distorted gospel, you reject grace. Notice what he says there in verse 4. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Now let me just make a note here that this is a, a verse that a lot of people have misunderstood throughout the ages. In fact, this is a verse that those who would say that you can fall away from grace, that you can fall out of grace, right? You can be saved and you can lose your salvation. That This is a verse that a lot of those people go to. But I would say that they don't get it. They don't read the full verse. They don't get the verse. This verse here is a, a bilateral statement. All right? It's a bilateral statement. That means that the, the center, uh, the center word, the phrase there, the center phrase in, in the midst of this is the main point. And, and then the, the phrase before it and the phrase after it support that main point. So we can read it like this. You who would be justified by the law. That's who he's addressing. Right? He is addressing those who would be justified by the law. And here's what he's saying to those who would be justified by the law. You are severed from Christ. You are severed from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now that that term fallen away from means to drift or to be blown off course, to to run aground. And so it means you, you have now stepped out of the realm of grace. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that you can fall out of grace. He's not saying that you can lose your salvation. But he is saying you, you have been, you, you've been running a good race, right? You've been headed towards the gospel. That's where you've been headed. You've been looking towards grace. You've been headed towards grace. But now you're saying you want to be justified by the law? If you, are, if you want to be justified by the law, you're severed from Christ. You're severed from Christ. And you've completely stepped out of the realm of grace. Now we need to note there, it's those who would be justified by the law. 
Those who would trust in their own ability to do that are, are rejected. Those who would, would rely on themselves, they have abandoned grace. They've turned away from grace. Grace has been offered, but now they've turned away from it to go a different direction. They've stepped out of the realm of grace. I want you to see what's going on here. They are refusing rescue. That's what happens when a person gets the offer of grace. Here's the Gospel. Here's grace extended to you. God sent His Son to die for you so that you might have life. Here it is. All you have to do is accept it. Trust it. But then to turn to the law is to reject it, to turn away from that rescue. As a fire set blaze of the Plymouth Rock apartment complex, rescuers rushed to the scene to to help tenants out of their burning apartments. And when the firefighters got on the scene, they noticed a lady standing up on a second floor balcony. And immediately, they turned the ladder and and they put it up to her. And they began to beg her to, to step on the ladder and climb down from the burning building. And she refused. She refused. And she turned back and went back into her apartment, never to be seen again. Dear friend, if you turn away from the Gospel to trust in your own abilities to save yourself, turn away to a distorted Gospel, then you're just like that woman who turns away from help. You're turning away from God's grace. You're trusting in your own ability to save yourself. And you are condemned to die. I wonder if there's any today that the Gospel has been extended. Grace has been offered. And yet you've turned away. You've refused rescue. Turning away from grace to trust in your own own ability. Trusting in a distorted Gospel and adopting a distorted Gospel is to turn away from God's grace. Turn away from His offer of rescue. If you adopt a distorted gospel, you cancel Christ. And you must bear the full burden of the law. You reject God's grace altogether. And finally, if you adopt a distorted gospel, dear friend, you abandon all hope of righteousness. You abandon all hope of righteousness. And you see, that's what we need. In order for us to be saved before God, we all recognize, if we're here, we we recognize that there's coming a day of judgment that we will have to stand before God. And on that day, for us to be... uh, for us to be excused, for us to be, be uh, declared justified, we have to have a righteousness. We have to have a right standing before God. We have to have a, a, a positive righteousness, a positive purity to our account, or else we're condemned to suffer for our sins. We have to have a righteousness. 
And to adopt a false gospel is to reject that righteousness, to lose all hope of any righteousness before God. Notice in the last two verses, he addresses that. First of all, in verse 5, he tells us that we lose hope of a future righteousness. We lose hope of that future righteousness. Verse 5, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Now salvation, we understand, is, uh, it, there's three tenses to salvation. I was saved, I'm being saved, I will be saved. We are saved, we were saved when we trusted in Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross for our sins. That's past tense. We were justified at that moment of trusting in Jesus. We are justified in the sight of God. We are declared righteous. We are declared to have a right standing before Him. And then there's that, that, uh, the doctrine of sanctification. We are being saved. That's what's taking place in this life. There's the Holy Spirit there works in us. He's changing us, transforming us to make us righteous here and now. Not purely. We still have sin. But He's working righteousness in us. He's making us pure. And then there's future righteousness. There's future salvation. That day when Christ returns and we will be caught up in the air and we will become like Him because we will see Him, Scripture says. At that moment, we will be glorified. We will be made perfectly righteous. Not just declared righteous, but we will be made completely and perfectly righteous. But Jesus says, or Paul says, that when you trust in this false gospel, when you adopt a false gospel rather than the true gospel of Jesus Christ, you abandon hope in that future righteousness. You abandon hope in that future righteousness. When you stand before God, you have abandoned hope that you will stand before Him in complete righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Instead, you will have to stand before God in your own righteousness, which is no righteousness, you'll stand before God in your sin and your shame. We abandon, if you adopt a, a distorted gospel, you abandon hope of that future righteousness. But not only that, but you abandon hope of the present righteousness. Verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Faith, that is what we, we have now. When we trust in Jesus, we trust Him. And that means we begin to live a life of faith as the Holy Spirit works in us. And He begins to work in us love. And Paul is just using that one phrase there. Uh, faith working through love. But he is indicating here that whole the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of godliness, the fruit of the Spirit that He will cover later on in this, this book, in chapter, or in, uh, later on in this chapter, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. You see, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we trust in Jesus, His Spirit comes in and begins to work in us and begins to produce those fruits of the Spirit. Not just love, but all those other peace and, and patience and all those other fruits of the Spirit. 
You see, we can know true love in Christ Jesus. We can know true peace in Christ Jesus. We can know true joy in Christ Jesus. We can know true patience in Christ Jesus. But we can know none of that truly outside of Jesus Christ. When you trust in a distorted gospel, you abandon all hope in the Lord's work in your life right here and right now. Adopting a distorted gospel is like saying no thanks to God. It's like saying no thanks to God. No thanks to God's promise of, of the cure of the, and the incurable disease. If you think about it, think about it like this. You have cancer, an incurable cancer, eating away at you. And someone comes to you and says, I have the, the, the thing that will heal you. I have the cure right here. Here it is. I give it to you. But trusting in a distorted gospel is like saying, no, thank you. I don't want that. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to find my own way out of this. I don't need your cure, God. I don't need what you have for me. No thanks. I wonder if there's those today who have said no thank you to God. Today in our society, there are many distortions, that, distortions of the gospel that a host of teachers are trying to peddle. They're all around us. Of course, Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons, they, they diligently seek converts. I mean, they're better evangelists than most of us are. They're selling their product. They're selling their gospel left and right, left and right. The prosperity teachers, they, they try to convince you that the gospel is all about you. It's all about you. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to have riches in this life here and now. It's all about you and your glory. It's not about God and His glory. Even the secularists of this age, they have their own gospel that they want to sell us. They want to tell us that life is all about you. Life is what you make it. Life is what you become here and now. This is all that we have, so live it up now. Eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Dear friend, heed the Bible's warning. Heed the Bible's warning. Stop! Stop! Those false messages are enticing. They appeal to our fleshly desires. They want to lead us away from Christ and, and point our attention to ourselves. Stop! For God's sake, stop! Don't buy into it. Look to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Give Him all the glory and honor for He alone is worthy. Oh dear Christian, have you been listening to a distorted gospel? 
Maybe you've, you've heard things and, and you've listened to the televangelists on TV who want to lead you into prosperity gospels, gospels that are not centered in God's Word. They take bits and pieces to, to, to sell their own product, but they're not God's Word. Tell you that God wants you to have your best life now. That's not what God promises. God wants you to have your best life in Jesus Christ. The best life that will come in His kingdom, not this kingdom. This is the world's kingdom. This is Satan's kingdom. Or maybe you've, you've listened to this and, and, and you've kind of developed your own side of, style of legalism. You're, you're checking off boxes. Turn from that. And look to Jesus. He is the only way to God. Some today may have been trusting in other things. You've been listening to another gospel your whole life. You've been trying to do it yourself. You've been trusting in your own ability, your own achievement to win favor before God. It will never work. But God has provided the way through Jesus Christ if you'll trust in Him. Will you trust in Him today? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for the pure Gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we are nothing outside of Jesus. But in Jesus, we are justified. We are made righteous in Your sight. And we can have hope and security and eternal life in Jesus. Oh, Father, if there's those today who are, are trusting in their own way, Lord, turn them to Jesus. Let us give Christ all glory and honor. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.